with another episode of the FishCast. In segment one, we will discuss the commitments of wide receiver Quan Lee to the University of Miami and Julian Humphrey to the University of Florida. In our next segment, we will talk about tampering in the world of college football and the impact it has had on the sport. In our final segment, we will go over the win totals put out this week for the schools in the state of Florida. Welcome to the Fish Cats. Great to see all of you out there in podcast land today. We've got an exciting show for you. As always, joined by the man with the plan, Charles Fishbein. How you doing, Fish? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Thank God, uh, you know, the spring football filming's over with. So Yeah, but, we'll get to that. That was a busy week for you down there. Yeah. And always and all the way from New Jersey. Well-traveled college coach, Christopher Demarest, sporting his New England Patriots shirt today. How you doing, Coach D? Corey, thank you so much for the introduction. I'm doing great. And, hey, man, June 1st, everything's wide open, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna hot out the box with it right now. A uh, couple of late commitments. We're not – probably commitment season probably reopens in about four days, but – there were a couple of late commitments. Miami gets a wide receiver, Quan Lee, out of Gainesville. We're going to start with Quan Lee from Gainesville, from Buholes High School, heading down to Miami, committing to Miami. Thoughts? Both of you had a chance to take a look at him. Well, I mean, I have him listed as a slot. I think that's what he's going to play in college. He's not a real big kid, probably about six feet, 160, 70 pounds right now. Um, you know, the one thing you do have to like is, you know, I, guys that are versatile. We talked about this. He plays on both sides of the ball. He also plays on special teams. So he's their best athlete on the team. Uh, usually when you see a guy on punt and kick returns, that means he's got good hands. I, I like his film. Uh, you know, he doesn't have that top end speed, so he's not a burner. Uh, I think this is, if you're going to compare him to somebody, maybe that played at University of Miami in the past is someone like a Kevin Beard type a guy that could be a number two or three guy in their offense. Very good hands. You see it when he catches the football, he high points the ball, he catches the ball away from his body. I don't like guys that you see when they catch the ball, everything hits their body and they try to body catch it. So he does the things right. Like I said, he doesn't have that elite top level, top end speed, but he's going to be a very good football player, uh, productive at the next level, but he's not an elite level kid. But Part of the problem with that is, too, Corey, is it's just not a great year for receivers. This may be one of the worst years for receivers uh, that the state of Florida has probably seen in the past five to ten years. Well, I had a chance to look at him as well. And what pops out right away is your playmaker. And you have to have recruit kids at that Power Five conference that are playmakers. You know, he's able to be versatile, like Fish said. He's a plays both sides of the ball. He's a punt returner, kick returner, which is exciting. And if you're going to be that type of player, you have to be able to do that. He does catch the ball on some slants and splits the coverage and goes to the house. So he shows enough speed, maybe not top end, but enough. One thing I did notice is the ball's underthrown a lot to him. So whether it be the quarterback or he's a little faster than we think, but he comes back and makes plays on the ball. He catches things with his hands. And that's exciting because a lot of players, you have to throw the ball right to them for them to make the catch. They can't adjust when the ball's in the air. This kid seems to be able to do that. Uh, like I said, he's a punt returner, kick returner. You have to be that kind of player to be able to go to that next level. He does play defense as well. 
So all those things uh, are beneficial, I think, to Miami as they continue to recruit this kid. And obviously he's committed and he goes down to Miami and plays next year. Yeah, I mean, one of the th other things you see, Demo, from him, and you don't see this a lot on highlight films, is a kid likes to block. I mean, there was one play where he, I, I, I focused on him. I thought he was going to get the ball, but he basically was he drove the guy into the back of the end zone and didn't stop till the whistle was blown. So he does have physicality. I think a lot of that comes from him playing on the defensive side of the ball, because if you're a defensive player, you're aggressive. You have that, you want to hit people and it shows on offense. So if he plays on offense, I think they'll be able to run to his side, maybe run stretch and uh, be able to pick up some yards to the outside. So he doesn't mind to stick his head in there and get a little dirty. Yeah. It's called an unselfish player. You know, like a lot of great offensive linemen initially start out as defensive linemen. A lot of great wide receivers in high school have played both ways. So they do have that physicality. When the camera gets up close to him, and I don't, you know, I, I never met him, so I don't know what he looks like in person. But when the camera gets up close to him, looks like a physical kind of kid, his body and everything like that. And he does not afraid to stick his nose in there. So that's what makes a good receiver sometimes, believe it or not, is, is the guy who's played defense and stuck his nose in there unselfishly is able to block for his teammates. And I think they're getting a good one, that kid. Yeah, I mean, he sounds like a player that, you know, might not have the elite skills, but a type of kid that, you know, that does a lot of things that don't always show up on the uh, stat sheet and helps you win ball games. You can never have too many of those types of guys. Um, Florida also ended up getting a commitment in the final week of May. Uh, cornerback Julian Humphrey out of uh, Houston, a uh, good-sized corner. had him listed about 6'1", 182, 183. Uh, what are your thoughts on him? Fima, you want to go? Yeah, yeah, I'll go. Um, I really – I like him because one thing he does, like I said this other guy is, he's a playmaker. And one thing he does from the corner position, he tackles. I think he understands leverage. You know, he's pressing, he's bailing, he's off. He comes up and supports the run and knows where to fit, and he tackles. And I think that's what you have to do as a corner. He understands the different coverages, whether he's playing off in the three-deep zone or man, or he's up pressing or he's playing too deep. So he does understand those things. He does bring some versatility because he has played both sides of the ball. He does catch some slants and splits people. I don't know the level of competition he's playing against, but he has to do those things when he's playing at that level. So I like what he does. I like the way he tackles. He's aggressive. He goes up in balls. One thing he does, too, is he learns to lean and locate, meaning he finds the ball out of press. He leans and locates, go up and break, gets a pass breakup. So those things are important as a corner. But he understands the different techniques as well that goes with it. But I do like him because he does tackle. Yeah, you know, Corey, I, you know, I was checking out the film. I was discussing this with Demo before we got on. Uh, Technique-wise, he's a polished kid you wonder how much further his ceiling is as a player is he fully developed now is he one of these typical texas kids i didn't see the he's another guy that i just didn't see the great speed and burst um i thought you know when he was in coverage he did everything well but if he does face some guys that have a little more speed and quickness he could be susceptible to the double moves and the and and the quick the quicker guys, especially if he's going to play in the SEC. He's got a cup, you know, an offer from Florida now. I think he's a good player. Can he be a great player and take his game to another level? That I don't know. Um, I do think he he's versatile enough to possibly uh, play inside at safety. Um, 
you know, he tackles well, so he could probably play some strong safety, but also I see him more as a boundary than a field corner. Demo could elaborate more on that, but that's just my opinion on the kid. No, I agree. You'll wonder, is he maxed out? And that's the thing you worry about with a lot of players that come from top notch high school programs. Are they maxed out? They had a beautiful weight room, beautiful facilities. Everything's great. Are those kids maxed out? Well, you take a kid from another state, i.e. Florida, and he has potential. He shows it on film, but he still has growth. He still has a chance to become a great player. You know, that's the only thing you worry about sometimes with someone like this. But again, you don't know what's in his heart. You don't know what's ticking inside him. You know, obviously, Florida has done their due diligence on him. It's, it's, it's uh, checking him out the best they can. So hopefully he's one of those players that does have some potential growth at the next level and is not maxed out. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely, you know, the one thing is, is that all of these young men are going to be on campus probably this month and have a chance to work out in front of these coaches. And, and that, that's the big news as of June 1st, the 16 month uh, dead period ended. And it's, it's, it's back to the wild, wild West again, uh, we saw, you know, everybody's got something planned today or in Florida State's case is something planned at 12.01. I know Miami's got a barbecue today. I know some people have some programs have this brunch thing they're doing today. So it's back on. And one of the things that is on is official visits. And, the, you know, one of the big changes that we're going to see take effect is that players are allowed to take official visits over the summer. They're no longer – they're no longer just limited to from September until signing day or thereafter. Uh, they can take them over the summer. One player, in-state player, that interests me, that you had a chance to see fish this past weekend while doing your filming duties, uh, Shamar Smith, uh, arguably the top player in the state of Florida this year, at least on the defensive side of the ball. He's visiting LSU this weekend. First, just tell us about Jamar Smith, what you saw about him in the spring game, where he's at as a player, and yeah. then we can get into the LSU situation. I mean, I had the opportunity to see him like a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, and you could see, all right, this kid has the potential to be a player. Physically, he's one of the most impressive players you'll see. I mean, he's a no brand You walk on campus, he just stands out. He's 6'4", he's maybe 6'5", 260 pounds. Um, just big, physical, thick kid, lower body, looks like a tree trunk. Um, just he's physical, he's twitchy. He could get off that ball quick. And the one thing I noticed, especially in the scrimmage, was his backside pursuit. The kid never stops or slows down. He constantly is, he, it's, he almost reminded me a little bit of someone like an Andre Wadsworth. Um, I think some of his game also reminds me a little bit of Ricky Jean Francois. Very physical with his hands. He's so quick that the offensive linemen don't even get out of their stance to block him. That's how quick he is off the ball. Uh, you could argue he is the number one DN, but it's such a great year. You have three elite kids, him, Marvin Jones Jr., and Nigella Kelly. All three of them are elite. All three of them bring something totally different to the table. This kid, if he does everything he needs to do, will be a top 10 pick. He looks like an NFL player right now. He just needs to put it all together and consistently, consistently from play to play. That's the thing is you'll see him make two or three great plays and then drop off for a play or two. He just needs to get that consistency. Once he does that, you're talking a Sunday player. Yeah, see, I didn't see him, but what you're explaining, Fish, is exactly what I said about being maxed out. He's a fantastic player, but he still has a whole 
area to grow. And that's what's going to make him a great player. Yeah, now he is taking his official to LSU on the 4th. Um, it looks like LSU has been deemed the early favorite. So I'm not – I mean, I maybe you can get in a little bit about his relationship with LSU. Why, is, he ever, is there a particular coach that's recruiting him that he's close with? And I mean, Corey, Ray, Corey Raymond's a good recruiter, and, you know, he's done well um, at certain schools in South Florida. I think it just – him getting a jump on him. I, I spoke to somebody close to the kid and someone that's going to take him to all the camps and everything. And the guy told me basically, listen, the kid's open. Yeah. There's schools that say he's a leader, but at the end of the day, this kid's going to take all five visits. He's going to see where he fits in best. You know, he's not going to be told where to go and he's going to make the decision himself. So yeah, LSU is said to be the leader, but it, it's going to be a, dis, a business decision, basically like where he fits what scheme he fits because he is he looks like an sec player i'm gonna just tell you that like he doesn't look like like i said he looks like andre wadsworth in his fourth year of college not a high school senior but um we'll see what happens i think that uh he's definitely gonna leave south florida uh it wouldn't shock me if florida florida state got in the mix i i know that he basically told me they're gonna take a visit up to florida state either um for the mega camp, I think he's going to be at. So he'll give them a shot. Uh, Florida will have a shot. LSU, Alabama, probably Clemson and Ohio State. You know, the you know the name names are going to have a shot. But, um, yeah, right now LSU leads, but that doesn't really matter. Um, why, why would you say that he wouldn't have a spot? I mean, you said he's going to leave South Florida. Why is it Miami? I, I, Miami's, Miami's all over him. I just, you know, from what I get or gather, the kid, he, the, those close to him want him out of Miami. That's just from what I got. It's not, I'm, I think they'll have a shot at him, but I think that it's going to be tough for them to pull him in. That's interesting. Interesting. Another big visitor coming an out of state kid, uh, one of the top defensive players in the nation, a five star prospect named Walter Nolan. Out of Olive Branch, Mississippi, who was a, I think he's going to a private school in Tennessee this year, but he went to Olive Branch last year. He's taking a visit to Florida. Uh, you're talking 6'4, 295. Looks like he has a total package. I know he was rumored to be going to IMG Academy. Uh, Coach, you just had a chance to see him fish. You've seen him a couple times. Florida is heavily in the mix. They're in the top five. I mean, this is a major visit for him. Uh, tell us, what, what, what do y'all think when y'all saw this kid on film? Well, it goes back to what we were saying before. Can you hear me? He's one of those ready-made kids, meaning physically he fits the bill. He comes in at 6'4", 290. He, he, what are you going to do? You can't do much more with that kid. A little stronger in the weight room, et cetera. But he's a ready-made kid. Now you have to teach him the game of football. Now you have to teach him about his motor. Now you have to teach him about going all out at every play and selling out for his team. That is going to make him even more of a valuable player at the next level. So I did watch him a few snaps. He's, he looked like a man amongst boys, just tossing people out of the way. But he's that type of SEC player. So I think if he does get – Florida does get him somehow, he'll fit right in with what they want to do. You know – Corey, you look at these guys and, and then you think of guys like Dexter Lawrence and, and the other defensive tackle that came out of Clemson and the guys that come out of Alabama, LSU, you've seen them at Ole Miss. This is an, what an SEC, this is why the SEC dominates 
college football is they get these type of kids. It, they're just one, they look different. They act different. They play different. You, the whole development that everybody, every fan base, Oh, you got to develop these kids. You don't have to develop this kid. You turn on the film. Big guys should not move like this. All right. When they move like this, you're, you want to, the next question is, what's your routing number and banking account number? Because that, this is, hey, I'm joking around, but honestly, these are the type of kids. No, you're not. <laughs> these are the type of kids. Somebody, you're paying for this one. Okay. Oh, yeah. This so, is the one you spend the budget on. <laughs> All right, coach, I'm going to put you on the spot real fast. You're yes. engaged for this weekend. He's You're trying to get to... back in the business, Corey. Are you sure you no, want to ask it, him? It don't matter. I'm, 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 I speak to truth, It don't matter. You're, you're yeah. in Gainesville this weekend. You're wearing the orange and blue. You're wearing the orange and blue cap. <laughs> Walter Nolan's your guy. That's the guy you've been assigned to. What's your recruiting pitch this weekend? What are you telling him? I'm getting him. That's all I got to tell you. I'm getting him. He's, he's, a, get... he's a Florida kid. He's, he's, a, he's a University of Florida Gator kid <laughs> is what he is. So – I don't want to reveal all my techniques because people are going to try to steal them from me, but he's my kind of kid. I'd get him. I really don't know, Corey. He's going to have to have a great visit there. He's going to have to see himself fitting in there. He's going to have to see himself, you know, the next couple of years becoming a better football player and have an opportunity to go play out in the NFL and make a lot of money. And there's no other better way to do it than the SEC. He's going to be in the SEC where, I don't know, but why not Florida Gators? Hey, when you when you look at what they've done there at Florida, um, recruiting defensive linemen, it's from the time Mullen was there with um, Urban Meyer. I mean, they landed guys out of New Jersey, New York, and all of these guys panned out. I mean, these big time D linemen. I think they took a kid out of California one year. He didn't pan out. What a shock! But uh, this kid, like these are the guys that win you national championships while while the quarterbacks get all the hype while all the skill kids get the hype i remember the first time i saw him and i his film and i i knew he was going to be going to img i think i had him rated as a number one or two player in the state of florida when he was going to img i thought that highly of him just because he's such a difference maker on that side of the ball and i know a lot of fans like all, you know, wide receivers, running backs. These are the kids that get me excited because they change the game. And you don't have to, you can, you don't have to run a fancy scheme. You know, they talk about when you have four war dogs or war daddies, like Demo likes to call them, like Clemson had a couple years ago. It's amazing how much of a better coach, you know, Venables was when he had those four animals up front because you don't, ha you could do so much on the back end. You could blitz. Yep. You don't have to blitz. You can change your coverages. If your front four can get pressure and you have guys like this up, up front, you could dominate on the defensive side of the ball. Even in this era, when teams like to throw the ball over the field, you have these type of guys. These are the guys that help you win national championships. I'm going to tell you that. One thing the kids say these days is that when something special, it hits differently. Like mom's sweet potato pie hits differently. Walter Nolan is a type, those type of players hit differently. You know, they just, they're just different. Like you can look at a force, you know, you look at quote unquote a four star play. You like, so a great college play. If you see a kid like that and you're like, how is he? He should be going to the NFL, you know, 
a team would draft him right now. They would draft him and just put him away like basketball and just develop and be like, as you know what, it's a superstar. What's your just sell? What's your sell account? What's your sell account? <laughs> What's your routing? What's your Bitcoin? Right. What's before, your Bitcoin? Before we get NCAA violations, we're gonna take a break <laughs> and come back. We'll be back before the bitch gas. fish cast um really great espn story written by alex scarborough about a week ago talks about tampering and how it's really here in in college football how it's looking like your nfl nba free agency he goes into detail about how you know coaches are figuring out ways to either a get players on a transfer portal or right when they're on a transfer portal you know, contact them through some different conduits, high school coaches, et cetera, that, you know, there's just a lot of shady stuff going on. You got to a point where, um, you know, and a lot of a lot of the coaches were, were quoted anonymously, but it, the one thing that really interests me was at the end is that, you know, you had a coach basically say that if I'm coaching at a mid-major school, for example, I think Ball State, was the coat was was the situation that was used? He's like, I wouldn't even recruit high school kids because if you recruit one and you develop them and they become an all conference player after you know after after freshman or sophomore year, they're going to leave you because all the tampering's going on because somebody's if somebody from a bigger school is out there, they've gotten in contact with their high school coach, their high school coach has gotten in contact with them. Players, you know, players are in it. You know, players have a business sense. They want to they want to get to a certain place. So if you're at Ball State and you find a, oh, my God, Texas A&M is interested in me. They got a starting spot for me next year. All you got to do is hop in the portal, make the deal, and you move over. So now that you've had a chance to read this story, um, you know, what do you think of the story? What do you think of the issue? Is there going to be any way for the NCAA or the powers that be to monitor this sort of thing or are we just is this just the world we're going to be living in in college football let me just say this one thing I'll turn it over to you Fish and I'll come back <clears throat> the honeymoon period is over okay this COVID tried to neutralize all the schools some guys were better at Zoom some guys were better at virtual guess what it's all over now now it comes down to what can I do to get these kids on campus what is my budget? What is my resources? What allows me to get these kids on campus? Now all of a sudden, ba-boom, it's blown up. Because now what happens is these schools are now actually ready to go use their resources, as I just said, to go get the best players in the country. Now all of a sudden you're going to see, like I told you before, a lot of flips, a lot of decommits, in my opinion. Because a lot of people took advantage of the Zoom, took advantage of the virtual and all this great stuff. And now all of a sudden it's boots on the ground. Let's go get these kids, man. That's what I love. And that's what you're going to see now. And all of a sudden you're going to say, well, wait a minute. I was working for this coach. He was so nice. How come he's a maniac right now? 
What happened? We were doing Zoom and virtual. We were the number one in the country. What do you say? Oh, what happened now? You know what happened now? Because people are starting to be able to use their resources and their budget to recruit these kids to campus. So I agree with what's going on, but you're going to see a big turnout. And the NCAA opened up a can of worms with this, with this transfer portal. I mean, they just opened up a can of worms and they did the same thing with this NIL thing or whatever you we talked about a couple of weeks ago. They opened up a can of worms because how are you going to monitor this? What is right and what is wrong? But you're right. And I really think it comes down when it's all said and done. I think Luke Fickle said it to relationships because all these kids are going to get ants in their pants and want to jump on the transfer portal. I'm out of here. I'm going to the next place. But that's my opinion. I'm sorry, Fish, but go ahead and fill me in where I'm wrong. No, I don't think you're wrong. I think there'll be a course correction because they're always, you know, when it first started this whole transfer portal, it sounds great, but the numbers don't lie. All right. There's been like 17 or 1800 kids that have gone into the portal, only three to 400 sign. It's, it's no different than the high school kids that all think they're D one and they go, Oh, well, I'm not going to go to that, uh, that Mac school, or I'm not going to go to that Sunbelt school. And they end up at a D two school because those scholarships are eaten up eventually this thing will correct itself. Any coach in college football that sits there and says, oh, we're going to just take kids out of the transfer portal will be fired within the next two to three years. You cannot just rely on the transfer portal to win college football. I get that it's good to fill in spots, but if you're taking a bunch of kids that have quit at other schools, what are they going to do when you're in a, in a situation where they got to bow up and, 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 and play hard and and the the situation gets difficult uh, most of those kids are going to freaking you know bail out i just think it's a bad situation i think it will correct itself i like i said i think any college coach that sits there and goes you know what we can just go in the transfer portal take one year rentals not recruit you do have to at a lot of these programs the reason why some of these smaller programs do really well and you've seen it even at a wake forest or whatever and the reason they've had so much success is they bring these kids in, they redshirt them, they develop them, they have a system, they have an understanding of how they're going to get to from point A to point B. And they're successful because they have a formula that works. If your formula is every year to just bring in guys every year, because you, I just think it's going to blow up on more teams than not. You may have the exceptions to the rule. It's like the Juco guys, the teams like the Kansas States that – uh, under Snyder, they took a lot of Juco kids. Yeah, it worked for them, but that doesn't mean that same formula is going to work for every other program that tries it. It only works for a few. And the guys that think that, oh, we're going to just, you know, poach kids from other teams, good luck. I I'm telling you, those guys are going to be out of a job and looking for a new job within two, three years. That's just my opinion. I don't know how you feel, Corey, but that's just my opinion on it. Well, again, the top, what we're talking about, though, is tampering. We're talking about literally. Now, and coach, this is where you coach at a mid-major. You coach a couple of mid-majors. You coach at Hawaii. You know, we're talking about you putting in your work, recruiting a kid, maybe recruiting a kid off the island. Kid turns out to be a stud, you know, and him leaving your program to go to USC, him leaving your program to go to Oregon, whatever. We're talking a lot more about this is the concern, and this is why, you know, when you say, all right, well, we're going to just recruit out the transfer portal, is because they're, especially these mid majors that really do the hard work in finding these gems, are, you know, they're seeing these guys getting plucked away. 
they all they they they, they have some early success. Other programs, bigger programs, are going through very you know nefarious channels to get these kids to jump in the transfer portal. So they're not quitting a school. They're literally basically using a smaller program to trick you know, to thwart themselves to a bigger program. That's what we're talking about. That's the course correct. You know, the transfer portal is its own thing. But now the way some schools are using the transfer, they're, they're basically using the football season. Corey, they're using we, college Corey. football season to help them scout, to help them build their roster. Corey, we discussed this, though. Yeah, the Khalil Mack types will probably not stay at a University of Buffalo for four years now. But there's only so many kids that are going to be – like, University of Buffalo is not going to lose 20 kids to the, the Power Five. It's just one the, – the, you've already seen these kids go into the portal. Now, as far as, um, you know, other schools, you know, dealing – you know, trying to steal these kids, I don't think this is anything new. I just think that tampering has been going on for a long time. I don't think this is anything new. It's just the transfer portal has basically given these schools the ability to do it out in the open now. And there's, it's just, it's sad. I think that you're going to have to make changes to this whole situation. One, we talked about this before, discussed it. There's probably going to have to be a cap on how many guys you can take from the transfer portal each year, kind of like the scholarship limitations, because like coaches said, it's going to alter their roster. You can't just take you, – you have a 25, 85 limit. If you're starting to take these transfer kids, it's going to screw up your roster management. You're going to have to make some rule changes and adjust this so teams don't have to, like, go find a whole new roster every year. This isn't college basketball where you have guys leaving the NBA every year and you got to just rebuild. You can't do that in college football. You're going to have teams that are going to end up honestly getting crushed. Like I'm not saying it's like a probation like SMU had, but you're going to have some programs that are basically going to go off the grid for two or three years because of this whole transfer portal and what's going to happen with their roster management. So that's just, I don't think it's going to work. I think there's going to have to be a course correction with all of it eventually, just like everything else. Everything's great until you abuse it. And this is one of those things that's getting abused right now by the colleges and they're going to have to make some changes. Well, <clears throat> the NCAA keeps making it easier because now they just came out with a one-time transfer immediately eligible rule, right? So add that on top of the portal, add that on top of the NIL, whatever you would call it. So what's happening is the coaches are abusing it, not the players. This was, this was made to be for the players, but the people who are abusing it are the coaches. Cause I tell you all the time, don't look at the players that they're taking off the portal. Look at the players they're putting on the portal. Something to be said about that. Then who are they replacing them with? They're going through the portal to replace the guys they put on the portal. So what's happening a, a lot too is kids are getting frustrated. They don't want to put in a long time work to become great. There's a kid that wants to jump on the portal somewhere else because he's been there two, three years and he already figures out, you know, okay, I'm done here. I want to go somewhere else and be the man. So I can do that now. So I think it's being abused more by the coaches than by the players because the players will finally realize, you know what, I'm jumping on this thing. I'm not getting a lot of play. I'm better off staying where I am. The one nice thing they did was that if a player does jump on it and he doesn't get anything, he can go back to the school that he was originally, from, originally at. But they got to be careful with this thing because, like you said, Fish, 
It's going to screw people's rosters up. It's a quick fix for a program that's brand new, that doesn't have any players. They want to throw all the bad players and mistakes on there and go out and get kids and try to bolster a roster. But like you said, it always comes down to the 25-85. And if they don't get that right and be able to manage it properly, you're going to be in trouble. All right. Now, a couple other things. As Fish said, not uh, you know, Buffalo wasn't going to transfer to Kansas when Lance Leopold took the job there. Uh, Buffalo has six players that are transferred to Kansas that were all announced in the last uh, 48 hours. Uh, two offensive linemen here. I see two defensive linemen a linebacker, and a wide receiver. More interesting than that, though, Kansas hired. They end up, they end up hiring, making a hire of a guy named Scott Aligo, who was, was going to be their director of scouting. As the, as the release goes off of this Bruce Feldman tweet, Aligo, a former NFL scout and Kansas grad, played a key role at Michigan State last year, landing 16 transfers. Yep. So now you've got coaches that are in your ranks that you're bringing in guys on your staff where their whole job is to basically, I'm not going to say he's tampering, but I don't think you get 16 transfers by coincidence. Oh, he's not, but he knows people that are, put it down. Yeah, exactly. He, he, yeah. he might not be, but he knows people that are. And what's happening, Corey, too, is like you just said, they're hiring people specifically he, he's only one. He's probably got 15 guys underneath him that monitor the transfer portal all the time. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, great discussion, guys. We're going to be back. We're going to have a little fun. We're going to put our betting caps on and talk about some win totals. Vegas has released the win totals, and Demo's going to win big. We'll be right back with more of the Fish Cast. Fish cast. We're gonna have a little bit of fun today, get a little bit of discussion going and talk about these Vegas win totals. As usual, the win totals are very high for certain teams, and this is a regular season win total. So Alabama is of course at 11.5, saying that they're gonna that Vegas expects them that in order to win that Vegas expects them to go with a 12-0 season. Clemson is also, I believe, at a uh, I think Clemson is also at 11.5, if I'm not mistaken. And if that's the case, I might actually take some money on that. I think they might slip up. Well, well they got to beat in Georgia then. Yeah. So let me see. Let me see what Georgia is, actually. This is a good question. Because Georgia is at 10.5. So we'll check them all out here. We'll check them all out. But I want to get our thoughts on the um, state schools first. And we're going to start off with the first one that I see, which is the FIU Panthers. Our buddies, Florida International, uh, the home of Charles Fishman. Um, four and a half wins. Uh, I think, I think, I think, can Butch hit five this year? Well, they weren't very good last year. And I don't think no, they got, they I don't think they got very good this year. So 
and I got to go down there tonight. So I got to be careful about what I say because I'm going to their camp. But I'm saying that I'm going to take the under on that. I just think that they're a three to three to four win, five wins. That means they'd have to improve a lot on last year. Um, they lost some of their coaches. They, you know, they had one coach that passed away last year. Their offensive coordinator left to UCF. I just, I think they have a lot going on at that program right now. They need to right the ship. I think five wins is asking too much. I would take the under. Is the is the Harris kid still there? No. Uh, well, one of them just came in. Um, that's Brandon Harris is still there. But uh, Ice Ice's kid went up to UCF. He's going to be coaching on UCF staff. Then I take the under. Yeah, I'm going to go the under too. I, I looked at their schedule. I don't see. I see two wins guaranteed. I feel like they might be able to get another, maybe another two. But I just don't, I see a four and eight season for them. Uh, moving up north a little bit closer to where my parents live at, out there, Boca Raton, uh, Florida Atlantic's at seven this year, looking at a straight seven and five. So with these, you can either go win loss, or if you like the seven and five, you can say that's about, that's about legitimate. Well, I'm, let me look at their schedule real quick. I, I know they play Florida in the opener, which is going to be basically a tough one. But what I like is, um, after that, you know, they got to play Georgia Southern and then Fordham and Air Force. Two of those three teams are run-based teams. But bringing in um, Nikosi Perry, I think what's their win total for them? Seven yeah. wins. I think yeah. they'll get. I think they'll get to eight wins. I just think that Perry brings them. A, I went to their spring game, and the one thing that they were lacking was a quarterback. They were lacking a quarterback last year. I did think that the Michael Johnson kid has a potential down the road, but bringing in Perry really solidifies that team. Uh, they had a very good defensive team last year. They just, Corey, I think you watched a game of them last year. Their quarterback play was just not very good, and it's what kept them from winning a couple games. So I'd say take the over on that. Seven to five. Yeah, I don't see less than seven wins on this schedule. I think if they finish six and six, it would be – a really disappointing season. When I look at, like you said, this quarterback situation, I feel like they should be able to win four of their first five. The UAB game is going to be tough. And then after that, they should be able to win four of their final six. So I definitely see eight and four. Because, I mean, if you look down at, you know, the situations, you know, Western Kentucky, Middle Tennessee, UTEP, these are teams they should be able to beat in that second half of the schedule. Yeah, Pretty Old, Old Dominion's another one. I mean, you know, look, Marshall – and we're going to get their head coach on um, the podcast eventually. I spoke to him. But, you know, they, you know, Marshall's got a brand new coach. So they got to bring in a new system and everything. Like I said, they, once they get past the Florida game and they, you know, hopefully they don't sustain too many injuries because that's what happens in those games is a lot of times you just want to get through that game and not get too beat up. So once you get into your conference, you can still play your conference. And that's the biggest issue is they just want to come out of that game healthy. But I do think Perry is going to make a big difference and that will push them over the, the win total. Yeah, ex exactly. All right. Moving on to the University of South Florida, USF. Now, I think there's a I think they are at three. Let's see. Where are they at? Let me scroll up. OK, here they are. They're at three. They are predicting it. Their, their win total is at three. I look at their schedule. I see five on there. I like what they did against UCF last year just by they showed they could put up a lot of points. 
I see them as a team that can win some shootouts. They're not going to beat NC State. They're not going to beat Florida. But I think they're going to beat Florida a and I don't think they're not going to win at BYU, but they can beat Tulsa, right? I think Tulsa's lost a lot of their defense from last year. Um, and if you look down at the schedule, the remaining the, the schedule, like you got East Carolina, you get Temple, you get Tulane. I, I think they can win four or five games on this schedule. I think they're kind of their trajectory is not it's not shooting upward, but I think it's moving upward. Yeah, I definitely think that USF can be on upset alert a couple times this year and beat somebody. You know, look, you take the BYU game. Yes, it's at BYU. They got to travel across the country, but they lose their quarterback, and and you you just don't replace first round picks. I'm not saying they'll win that game, but it could be closer. I do think that they're going to go over. I think Jeff Scott did a very good job last year. That team by the end of the year was playing a lot better, even though they didn't beat UCF. They put a lot of points up on them. I think USF's going to have a pretty potent offense this year. I take the over. I'm going with five. There you go. Right. Yeah, he's, he's caught. He's like, yeah, I like five. All right, next one, UCF. Now, the UCF one, they're they're expecting a lot out of Gus Malzana year one. They're at nine and a half. So, when we look at their schedule, um, you know, they open up the season with Boise State. And then from there um, – there, you know, I that it gets a lot. You know, Bethune Cookman's a win at Louisville is a toss up at Navy, you know, and then at that point they play Navy, then they start getting into their uh, American schedule. It's not an easy schedule. They're at Navy, they're at Cincinnati. Um, they end up, uh, you know, it gets a little easier in the second half, and I feel like that's where they could run through things, but they've got to get through that first half first. Of course, they've got Connecticut as their late non-conference game at home. Um, nine and three, nine and three seem, I mean, I, I feel like I'm going to go under and just say this is a nine and three team that maybe they might slip on a banana peel. If they beat Boise, I mean, they could easily just assume be 11 and one, 12 and oh. The game, the Louisville game is a game that kind of, uh, you know, I think that could be kind of the difference between them having a magical season and them maybe going nine and three. Uh, it was hard for me to predict the other schools because I look at UCF as winners. Now they got a coach that's a winner. He's demanding them to be playing at a high level. I'm going to go with the nine wins. I, I think they got nine wins or more. So possibly nine plus. What's their win total, Corey? Eight or you said nine wins? Nine and a half. Nine and a half. So they, they got to get ten. They got to get yeah. ten for you to go over. Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of faith in in um, in Gus, and I think this team, I you know, it's going to be asking a lot. I think they'll beat UCF to open the season. I think the tougher game is going to be, you know, at Navy just because of what they run and everything. It's a more difficult game, but I'm going to take I'm going to take the over. I think they'll get to ten wins and be a ten and two team and be a, they're going to compete for a um, New Year's Day bowl game. All right. Now we're getting on. Now we're now we get on to our big schools here. We're going to start off with Florida State. Florida State, I believe, is at a five and a half game win total. So six, so six to go over. This is one we've finished. We've 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 went through this. We just know the schedule. We've went through the schedule many, many, many times. And we've, I think, I've deducted that there's a stretch of games early in the season: Wake Forest and Louisville. 
that are going to make the difference. That's either going to tell me if this is going to be a bowl team or not. It's how they go through the, that two-game stretch because I, my my fear for Florida State is that they're going to need to win like at Boston College on that third week in November to make a bowl. And I just – that's just not it. You don't want to go in that game in that environment have – you know, especially with the hard second half of the schedule they're going to have and needing to win that game to go into a bowl because, you know, you don't know. You might you might get sub-zero degree weather in Boston in late November. And if the kids ain't going to, you know, it's hard to get guys fired up to play for the, uh, you know, that, that eighth bowl in the ACC <laughs> if they they got to catch hypothermia in the process. Yeah. I mean, the tough, the tough thing is with these type of schedules and the type of team Florida State has is they could, they could beat a North Carolina, but they're not good enough to have an off day against a Syracuse, which they could lose. Like, too many games are 50-50 games. And for, for you to go through a whole season and everything that go in your favor – is not you just there there's not many teams on their schedule where you could say hey they're going to be favored or they're the better team or they have the better roster what you look at at the bottom of their schedule all right they got after UMass they got at Clemson then they have NC State then they get Miami when you're playing NC State in the middle of Clemson and Miami those two games take so much emotion that that NC State game to get those kids up for that game and and NC State's got a better has one of the top quarterbacks in the ACC this year. That's a tough game. And then you got Miami, all right? Then you got at Boston College and then Florida. Once again, you got a stretch of those games that should be winnable games for you. The NC State and Boston College game, you now have them sandwiched in between tougher opponents. You got to wonder how those kids are going to come into those games emotionally. I mean, that Boston College game, it may not be on a Saturday. I'm not 100% sure. It may be like a Friday game um, on the road. You're talking oh, about – It's a Friday night game. That's just deadly. That's just rude. Is no, it, it is a Saturday game. Okay. So it is a Saturday yeah. game. But you're talking sandwich in between Miami and Florida. you got to go on the road. If it's cold up there, you know how those games are. It's not something that the Florida State – I think that the number is right where it should be. I think six wins, I, like if you're going to bet on these, you're an idiot because honestly, it could go five. They're either going to win five or six games. I think six is for them to get to seven. Honestly, they're going to have to upset somebody. But even if they upset somebody, I think they could lose to a lesser team because that's the type of team they have this year. So I, I'm going to say six, but I sure as heck wouldn't put a number. I, I say six and six with is with the schedule they have is probably we're gonna where they're going to fall. We know that help is on the way at Florida State, but it's going to be young and inexperienced. So I don't see that taking them to over six wins. I do see that talent playing exceptionally well a few games, but it also is going to even out because of the inexperience. But I think it can get them to six games, so I'm going six and six. All right, Miami. Miami, the Miami Hurricanes are at nine and a half. Uh, going through this schedule, we know they start out with Bama. Uh, then they get App, App State and our good buddy Frank Ponce. Um, Michigan State on the 18th, and then they uh, close out their uh, September schedule with ferocious uh, Central Connecticut State, which I think that's going to be a barn burner right there. Uh, then ACC schedule kicks in. So let's 
I know I don't want to assume a loss to Alabama. I'm just going to say it's going to happen. So if they're three and one, uh, you got NC, you got North Carolina on the road. Um, obviously, you got you got Virginia Tech on the road late. You don't get Clemson, so you avoid that pothole. Um, you get some teams that play them tough, though. Uh, Georgia Tech, NC State, Virginia, all games at Pittsburgh, all games they should win, but teams that have upset them in the past. So I see 10 and 2. I see Alabama, I see North Carolina being the losses. Yep, I'm going with 10 and 2. I just think Miami's got over the hump. They're a good football program. You know, when we were talking about Florida State, they're not there yet. So those 50-50 games, Miami doesn't have a lot of 50-50 games on this schedule where they, they're going to be favorites in pretty much all of these games. I think they're going to win the games they're supposed to. Um, that North Carolina game, maybe one of them, maybe the Virginia Tech game. But I think that Miami's better than most of these teams. I think 10-2, and two, they're going to be in the ACC uh, championship game, most likely against uh, Clemson, I think. Um you know, 10 and two is where I'm going to stick. I think they're going to get to 10 wins. I think it all depends and predicates on the health of the quarterback. How healthy truly is he going to be? And can he do or duplicate or do even better than he did last year? If that's the case, there's 10 wins. If it's not, it's nine. So I know they got this great quarterback behind him and all that stuff, but this kid's a special kid. If he plays that high at a level, they're going to win 10 games. If he doesn't, he struggles in a game or two, or the players around him struggle in a game or two, it's going to be nine wins for the Hurricanes. Last, of course not least, the Florida Gators are at a win total of nine. Um, looking at their schedule, uh, they open up with Florida Atlantic. Uh, then they'll play South Florida at September 11th at noon in Tampa. It's going to be hot. Uh <laughs> Then uh, they host Alabama on the 18th. They host Tennessee on the 25th at Kentucky. Um, you know, moving down the line, they have uh, LSU on the road on the 16th. Um, they'll, they'll end their SEC campaign with uh, at Missouri, which has been just a house of horrors for them on November 20th. And, of course, they end their regular season uh, hosting Florida State on the 27th. Um, looking at it real fast, I can say, again, I don't think they're going to beat Alabama. I think the LSU road game is a loss. The Georgia game, I, so I think Georgia's a better team this year. So that puts me at nine and three. I actually kind of see an eight and four. I think Missouri has given them so many problems and uh, when, when they go there. I mean, if, if you look at that, that, I mean, Missouri always kind of plays them tough. But when they go on the road at Missouri – especially if they'd be late in the season, they're not going to be in contention for the SEC title, you know, in my, in my opinion. I see that as a fourth loss. I'm saying eight and four for the Gators this year. It's nine and three or eight and four. I think it's right there. The LSU game, it all depends. I, I watch them in their spring game. They're going to be very good at quarterback, and, and they're, they have no run game, though. I, I, I'm just shocked. Maybe oh, that, they, that, that shocks the heck. I saw, maybe, I saw what you saw, and I'm like, yeah, maybe they. Yeah, so LSU, it just depends on the LSU's a 50 50 game. We talked about that. I think Georgia, Alabama are the two losses for sure. I think Georgia's a national championship caliber team this year. 
Um, and the Missouri game, like you said, it's just it's it has not been a kind place for them. You know, they're looking at nine and three, eight and four because two Florida's breaking in a new quarterback. I, you know, I think Gus will get those guys rolling by midseason, those quarterbacks. But it's going to be um, <laughs> it's going to be a, a, a tough, a tough go with them. But you never know what the LSU game is going to be the deciding factor on whether they get to nine wins. They got to win that game because that gives them leeway to lose a Missouri game and still have nine wins. So the LSU Florida game will tell us if they lose that game, they're going eight and four. If they win it, they're nine and three. Well, Florida lost a lot of great players. You know, you look at Trask, Pitts, Tony, the corner. I mean, not to mention some of these other guys. I think Florida's a year away. So I think you're spot on with eight, nine wins. Uh, I think they'll be competitive and uh, Mullins will do a great job there, but I still think they're about a year away from being a really complete football team and a year away of experience means a lot. Uh, I don't think anybody will say that, but that's what I believe, but I'm going to go, I'm going to roll the dice here a little bit because I think they beat LSU last year at home, even though it was the shoe incident, but I'm going to go with nine wins for the Gators. All right. All right. Now one quick bonus. Uh, the lowest team on the, on the, on the win total this year was, the Kansas Jayhawks with one win. Uh, and I'm going to give you their schedule. Let's see if we can find the win on this schedule. They Hold on. With all those transfer portal guys, one win? They got six guys from Buffalo. Let's relax. Oh, okay. From one uh, team? <laughs> you know. All right. So they open the season hosting South Dakota. Then they're on the road at Coastal Carolina. They uh, play Baylor at home. They travel to Duke. Travel to Iowa State, host Texas Tech, host Oklahoma, travel to Oklahoma State, host Kansas State, travel to Texas, travel to TCU, and they end their season by hosting West Virginia. Do you see a win on the Kansas State? Can we get our buddy Lance Leipold, my maybe the greatest Division Three coach in the history of college football, on, can we get him a win in his first year at Kansas? I don't think it's going to be South Dakota. I think so. I've watched enough FCS. I think South Dakota's going to beat the crap out of him. So it might not be them. I think South Dakota beats him by two touchdowns. Listen, I, I think he'll get one, at least one or two wins out of him. He's a very good coach. Uh, you know how some of these teams I, – I, re I remember one year I took – Iowa State over Kansas and Kansas, I think, beat them or gave them a close game. I mean, Duke, you don't know what Duke's going to be. I, I think they got one or two wins out of them this year. He's a good enough coach to pull a couple upsets. Yeah, I'll go with two wins. I, I don't know much about it except the guys from Buffalo that are going there. So, but I think the guy's a good coach. Right. I think two wins is good coach. I'm going to bet you suckers dinner that they don't even get close to two wins. They might. They get negative one win before they get two. <laughs> so ask, ask me you, you got to ask right. me after South Dakota State. Yeah, or South right. Dakota. Fair, fair enough. I'm, but I'm saying I'll go dinner, mid-level restaurant that they don't get two friggin' wins. You guys are out of your mind. Yeah. I love winning. You'll be changed. It's going to be a painful yeah. year. Uh, yeah. That 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 mid-level restaurant will be PDQ if they beat freaking San uh freaking uh I ain't man. I I hold up my end of the bargain. Don't uh, worry. Fish's spot Duffy's. That's fish's spot, Duffy's. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I hold up my end of 
bargain. All right, guys. Uh, Fish, you're hitting the road. I would be hitting the road with you if I didn't have to do this hockey thing. But I'm assuming uh, UCF on Saturday, then the FSU Mega Camp to close yeah. out the week. Trying to, man. Trying to, see. All right. You got anything up there in Jersey you're hitting this week, Coach Timorous? There's all kinds of things up here, even non-football related. <laughs> oh, jeez. You stay away from that stuff, my friend. I do, I do. <laughs> hey, it's, uh, as always, been another wonderful episode of the Fish Cast. Thank everybody involved. Thanks, Fish. Thank you, Coach Demo. Justin is our engineer. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, or anywhere where you get your podcast goodies. And please make sure to give us a five-star review. If you don't give us a five-star review, we're not taking you to any kind of restaurant. Guarantee that. Good night, all. Stay tuned, baby. All right, guys, man. I'll hit you up later. All right, guys. Y'all take it easy. Take it easy.